we moved, this normally would be Communion Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, but uh, because we wanted to take our time celebrating uh, the closeout of Vacation Bible School, we're moving Communion to next Sunday. So if you came this morning saying, hey, what's up? Uh, come back next Sunday. See, see how we did that? We got that hook in you and we said, come on. Uh, but we, uh, we're so happy that uh, we were to ha- able to have this wonderful ministry. And um, as many children as we had, we had nearly as many young people and adults working and helping. It was fantastic. People found something to do. And we said from the beginning, this is going to be all hands on deck, this ministry. And I, I was sitting here thinking, I do that sometimes, uh, <clears throat> That I bet, now I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth, okay? But I bet God loves vacation Bible school. I bet he really does. And I know the kids did. And I even noticed that there were some grown-ups who let their hair down, if, if there was any. They let their hair down and got a little wild and crazy too. I'm not saying, I'm not telling on anybody, I'm just confessing, okay? <laughs> I do want to pick up um, in our series in the Sermon on the Mount, where we left off last Sunday in part 14, Jesus is speaking about praying the wrong way to do it and then the right way to do it. And the right way to do it is pray sincerely. And uh, so we want to go quickly through these first couple of slides. This is in the middle of Jesus talking to us about your religious, my religious practice, what I do, how I behave, what I do, because I think of myself as religious. Now, maybe you don't think of yourself as religious. Maybe that's not the word you would use. We Christians like to say it's not a religion, it's a way of life. You, you like to say that? So when you think about how you live your way of life, what it actually looks like, uh, what is the motivation behind it? What is, what is the thing that drives it? And Jesus is warning us, don't do what you do in your religious way of life in order to impress other people. He says, if you're doing it to impress other people, to make them think something about you, oh, how religious he is, or oh, how sincere she is when she talks about her faith and her her religion. When you're doing that to get other people's attention or approval, you maybe have gotten what you wanted, but you didn't get it from God. And uh, that's his warning. And he gives us three examples. Two weeks ago, we talked about the... Three weeks ago now, we talked about the first of those. When you give, uh, when you give to help those in need, don't do it in such a way that you're calling attention to yourself, how generous you are. And then last Sunday, he said, now when you pray... And he gave us two guardrails. You remember two guardrails. Over here on the right, he said, Don't pray like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by others. And on the left, he gives us this guardrail. Don't, Don't be like the pagans, like the heathen, like the Gentiles who just 
babble on and on and on, go on and on and on with their religious words and prayer, thinking that because they're throwing up a lot of words, some of them will stick and God will notice. Those are the guardrails over here on the right and over here on the left. And I I made this comment, uh, maybe you missed it as we were finishing. There's a lot of room between that guardrail on the right and that guardrail on the left. There's a lot of lanes on this highway that we can choose when we come to God in prayer. So uh, after he tells us how not to pray, he gives us an example or a pattern to follow because how helpful is it if all everybody ever tells you is how not to do something? Does that help you to do it? If you know how not to do it, okay, that's slightly helpful. But that still doesn't answer the question, okay, how do I do it? What is the right way? You've told me what some wrong ways are. Is there a right way? And then Jesus says, so, pray then like this. And uh, I thank you. I, I am... I'm really giving Ryan fits this morning because he's usually very good at anticipating where I am, but I flew through the first half a dozen slides so quickly. And now now I'm going to slow down. Jesus says, pray then like this. And he gives us a teaching example. But here's the thing. Instead of us understanding, oh, this is an example a pattern to follow, many of us heard him say this. When you pray, say these words. You see the difference? When you pray, pray like this. Is very different than, oh, when you pray, here's the words to say. We've memorized these words. We've repeated them over and over and over again. We've set them to music. In some cases, we've even used them as punishment. Um, Forgive me, for I have sinned. Oh, all right. Go out and say, ten our fathers. As penance. And you'll work off your sin debt by repeating this prayer a number of times. Now, I'm not, listen, please, don't, don't go thinking, oh man, he just trashed that church. No, that's not my intention. It's not those people I'm worrying about. It's this guy. It's this guy who I want to encourage to get it right. You hear me? I'm not against anybody. I'm not against anybody. I am for Jesus and me in a growing relationship. Everybody hear that? Everybody understand that? Okay. I don't want you going, talking to your neighbor saying, did you hear what he said about those people? 
These words have become part of what we call the liturgy, the liturgy of the church, the orderly fashion we follow uh, in serving God in worship. But these words, in many cases, have become so common in our usage that we can repeat them thoughtlessly. And when we do that, we bang into that left guardrail. Don't be like the pagans who just repeat their words over and over and over again, throwing up a whole cloud of words thinking that they'll get it. I have to interrupt myself here for a minute. I'm sorry. I just remembered, because I looked out in the congregation... And I just remembered something I was supposed to say. Pause. We have a wedding coming up. Two weeks from today. This family's throwing a family wedding, right? As you leave this morning... uh, Check in with Linda Horvitz. She's going to be in the back, and she's got a couple of lists for you. Uh, first of all, we need you to RSVP. I don't know what RSVP means, but it means, essentially, tell me if you're coming. Okay? I don't know if the, if the initials RSVP mean, tell me if you're coming, but that's how I see it. Okay? So tell us if you're coming. And then, then there's another list that says... Tell us if you'll bring this. We're going to have a nice time. We're going, to, we're going to do it up really exciting. There are some people that have thrown themselves into this party. We're, we're, we, got some, we got some people in this church who are having playtime. We get to throw a wedding? Yes! So, so get on board with that. We, the whole congregation is invited two weeks from today, after church, okay? So, check in with Linda afterwards. And, oh, by the way, if you you brought your baby bottle back for Beacon of Light Pregnancy Care Center and and ministry to uh, expectant women, uh, drop it on the table in the back. Okay, unpause. (laughs) As I was saying, can you just imagine... For a moment, when one of us starts to recite from memory that, that sequence of words we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. Can you just imagine with me for a moment Jesus rolling his eyes? Oh, no. Here he goes again. Would you just put your own original thought into this once, Dennis? Don't take the easy way out and just repeat the words that I said. Put your own words into it. Now, I, I, I think I told you last week, I learned to pray uh, from listening to old people pray. Right? I listened, I listened to uh, Reverend Gordon Jones, the retired missionary, pray on Wednesday night, the midweek hour of power. I listened to him pray for everything. He prayed in the King James uh, version of English. Yesterday afternoon, 
uh, I was down in, in the town of Florida uh, umpiring a baseball game, and my partner in the, in the field uh, explained something to a player, and then between innings explained to his coach what he said to the player. And uh, I was listening in, and the umpire said, um, I was in the way of the, of the base runner running to second. And so after the play was over, I went over to him, and, and I asked him, did I impede you? Now, I had to sift through my Rolodex dictionary in my head. Impede. Impede is a word that means I got in your way and kept you from doing what you were trying to do. But I'm thinking this 11-year-old boy doesn't have that card in his Rolodex yet. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is because when I learned to pray from listening to old people pray, I didn't understand a lot of the words they were saying. And, and even, even today, some of us who have been taught the Lord's Prayer in the fine old King's English... Have, a tr- have trouble with things like, we're going to come to it in a second, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? Well, you know what it means because somebody explained it to you. Or you, you know, you were there when King James wrote his version. <laughs> so I want to walk through this pattern of prayer. This is probably not the first time anybody here has ever heard somebody talk about this model prayer that we have come to call the Lord's Prayer. Some people say it's not really the Lord's Prayer, it's really the disciples' prayer. I'm calling it intentional prayer. It doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is if you do it or not. I think God is more impressed with me speaking to God in my vocabulary than in the vocabulary of someone two generations older than me. Uh, God, God wants an intimate relationship. And you know how I know that? Because Jesus tells us to think of God as our Father. Now, I understand Father, in your context, in your experience, Father doesn't always conjure up nice, warm, pleasant memories. For me, it did. And I had a great father, and I thought everybody did. And then I discovered we were kind of the exception. But for me, it was an easy thing to understand when when Jesus gave us this opportunity to address Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, who brings forth bread from the earth and wine from the vine and makes the sun to shine and tells the oceans where to stop. That that almighty, infinite, creative creator being invites me to call him Father. And Father is a word of relationship, isn't it? 
And so Jesus tells us as we begin to understand how we ought to pray, he says, understand who you are addressing. He is your father. He has your interests in mind. This is a statement of affiliation. I belong to him. I am in his column. He is my father, which means I am his child. There's a chorus that we used to sing many years ago. I know some of you will recognize it. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say the words, if I can remember them. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and the rills and the sun and the stars that shine. Wonderful treasures, more than tongue can tell. This is my favorite line. You know it. He is my father. So they are mine as well. Isn't that awesome? When you and I pray, we're invited to comprehend the relationship we're drawing on when we say, our Father. In fact, Paul says, Abba, Father. Now, Abba in Hebrew is the most relational. Like in English, we have Father. And we have dad. Or even daddy. Abba. Intimate relation. Remember who it is we're talking to. He's on our side. How many of you know your father is on your side? Some, some of us human fathers have strange ways of expressing that and maybe even confusing to our children. But your father is on your side. Remember that. He is for you. He is not against you. It's a statement of affiliation. God is our father. It is personal. It is intimate. Speed it up, Dennis. Come on, we got to get out of here. I hear you're thinking. You're thinking very loudly this morning. <laughs> hallowed, hallowed be your name. Holy. Set, I set your name apart. Your name will not come from my lips carelessly. Your name to me is treasured. Your name to me is sweet. You are holy and everything that I associate with you is holy. Holy. I affirm, God, that you are a holy God and will have nothing to do with anything that is unholy, disholy, anti-holy, less than holy. You are my Father. I affirm the perfection that you are. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Pastor John preached on this, the Lord's Prayer a, a few years ago. It, it was before the Hebrew series. So, um, but, but I remember him saying, and, and I've thought it often since, uh, I'm, I'm going to take a, a ruler and I'm going to draw a square on the floor around my feet. And I'm going to stand in this square and I'm going to pray, God, let your will be done right here in this place where I am. In other words, let me be an expression of one who does your will. And I was thinking about that and I have, uh, I have the privilege of having a wonderful life partner, my spouse, my wife Kelly, who's with the children in the nursery this morning. And uh, she and I, we can put our squares together. And that makes twice as much real estate. As for me, Joshua said it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, uh, for me and my house, that makes five square feet and now with um, my son's wives and my five grandchildren that's Cinco that's number five right there Cinco was walking this as of this week Cinco was walking it's only he's only 10 months old now I'm just warning you he might he might break free at any moment he's already tried once to reach the platform today he might break free at any moment, I'm telling you. But my prayer is, as for me and my in increasing, expanding household, may we serve the Lord. I was walking around, getting ready. We're having a 4th of July picnic this afternoon on the 3rd of July. It's a 4th of July Eve picnic. And I was mowing. I was getting the outside of the house ready. Uh, and I'm thinking as I'm going back and forth... Lord, we got this real estate. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in this acre. So that my neighbors around me, they see oh, over there at 37 Borden Road, that is a consulate. That is a consulate. The kingdom of heaven has a consulate on our street. Amen. Think about that. Put your address in there. You are a consulate. The embassy, the embassy is in the capital city. But in every other place where a foreign government is represented in our country is a consulate. And you and I, we've been appointed as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, carrying this message, be reconciled to God. I have a consulate that I staff out there. You have a consulate that you staff where you live, in your apartment building, in your row house, in your townhouse, in your condominium, in your RV. You, maybe you have a rolling consulate. <laughs> what is the name of that VW thing? Great the Great Pumpkin. <laughs> Wherever the Great Pumpkin rolls, that's a consulate. If it rolls up into Woodstock... Imagine that. 
There's a consulate of the kingdom of heaven out there. Wow. I hope I don't get recalled as the consulate officer and say, hey, how are you representing? How are you representing your king? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth the way it is done in heaven. That's part of my praying, is that I would align my thinking with God's. This is really part of what I think is important about prayer. We, we ask this question, does prayer change things? Prayer changes things. Most importantly, prayer changes me. It helps me to bring my thinking in alignment with God's thinking. That's an important uh, calibration to set. Is my thinking in line? Uh, If you are going to play a piano like this beautiful instrument over here, from time to time, you need to what? You need to tune it. If you're one of these talented musicians up here, Joe, how how do you tune that? I guess you can tune a drum. You can tighten the drum head, right? Every once in a while, you got to make sure that you are in tune, that you are correctly aligned. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a statement of submission. And uh, it doesn't have to be my way. When I was first married, I worked in construction, and I, and I worked for one of these one of the superintendents that I worked with quite a lot. His name was Vince. Not this Vince. I won't repeat his last name. Not because um, I have anything bad to say about him, but just because. I love this man. I, I learned a lot from him. But he liked to say, It's my way or the highway. That's how he talked. It's my way or the highway. So I learned to do it his way. Because I was working two hours truck ride from home and I didn't want to walk. I did it his way. But it doesn't have to be my way. It has to be God's way. Not my will, but thy will be done. Isn't it interesting that, that we sang that song today? Yet not I, but Christ in me. Funny how that works. Funny how that works, Mike. You pick these songs like... Then he says, give us this day, give us please, I always add please, because um, I, 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 I just I kind of want to talk to God respectfully. Like I, like I talked to my father respectfully, I didn't ever demand things from him, because if I did, I might get something unexpected. <laughs> so give us please our daily bread today. I, I think I mentioned this last week. I, 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 I would really appreciate if God would just set me up financially for life. Right? So I could be independently wealthy. 
Do I have to worry about whether I can afford this thing that I need or want to need? Do I have to worry about saving up until I can afford that thing or paying for it forever because I couldn't wait till I could afford it or whatever it is? But if, if God would set me up for life, then I could just write him off. I wouldn't need him anymore until something really big comes up. Something really big does come up from time to time. But if I, if I didn't need something from him every day, he might not hear from me. He might go months before hearing from me. I wonder how many times. This is back before email and texting and cell phones. How often did I call home when I was away at college? I had to go to a pay phone to call home. Of course, you'd have to call collect. And I didn't want to call collect, so um, my parents probably didn't hear from me as often as they would have liked to. And when my kids went away to college or to boot camp or, uh, or to Iraq... I wanted to hear from them every day. When Ryan was serving in Iraq, I wanted to hear from him just to know he was okay. And, and, and I'm, on, I'm a, an imperfect, unholy person. And if I want to hear from my kids, how much more does God, our Heavenly Father, want to hear from us? Every day, many times during the day. Now that we have this wonderful technology, um, Kelly and I are in touch with our kids on Google Hangouts. Now it's Google Chat. And th there's a little ding that, that sounds in our phones whenever there's a new post in Google Hangouts from our family. And you want to see something funny, you want to see... Look at Dennis and Kelly scrambling for their phones when that little notification bell rings. Ooh, we heard something from the kids. What did they say? Even if it's late at night. Especially if it's late at night. We want, uh-oh, what's going on? But three of our kids are working overnight, so that's when they're alive and awake and talking. Frustrating to turn the notifications off if you want to get any sleep. Give us this day our daily bread. It's, this is the lesson that God was teaching his people as early as the Exodus, when uh, God miraculously delivered Israel out of bondage in Egypt, and he set them on the path to the promised land. And he provided for them, he fed them, Every day, they'd come out of their tents yawning and scratching, brushing their teeth or whatever they did back then for personal hygiene. And the ground would be covered with, what is this? That's what the word manna means, by the way. What is this? <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's true. What the heck is this? Ooh, I said... Think about that, though. What is this? 
Uh, it's just amazing to me to think about the first time somebody says, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like, you know? Who was the first person that put a oyster in their mouth? <laughs> 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 Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's not me. That's not me. First person they had a grasshopper. What are you ta- what are you talking about? What is this? And they realized, oh, this is this God put it here for us to eat. We'll gather it up and you know, there's the guy that wants to take Tuesday off. So he says, I don't want to, I want to sleep in on Tuesday. I'm going to gather extra on Monday so I can chill in my sack and not get up Tuesday morning. But what happened? The first guy who tried it realized, oh, this doesn't keep. The next day it was all wormy and mealy and nobody wanted to put the, I don't know, some people eat worms. But God said, no, 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 no. You get for one day what you need. It'll be there again tomorrow. How many of you have had a puppy? You got to be careful how often you feed puppies, right? Because they have no concept that there's going to be food in this bowl again. There'll be more tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I got to get it all before it disappears. You've had puppies. You understand. And you know what happens when they eat too much. Ooh, seconds. (laughs) You've had a puppy, you know I'm not making this up. God wants to provide for me what I need. And he wants me to learn that I can trust him. And the way he wants to teach me this is that he wants me to trust him every day. Not just when the big stuff comes up. Because you know what? With God, there isn't any little stuff. Everything in my life is important to my Heavenly Father. Then uh, there is the statement, Jesus says, oh, forgive us our debts. And because the word debt we usually associate with financial stuff, we we can miss this. The old-fashioned translation says, yes, trespasses, trespasses. Well, my neighbor doesn't have any no trespassing sign, so I'm okay. it's okay for me to walk on. Trespasses doesn't quite get it either, does it? Because uh, you can call it debt, you can call it trespass, you can call it being broken, call it whatever you want to call it. What God calls it is sin. One of our long-term missionaries, Mary Ann Steenberg, Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, Her ministry is to children. I love her definition of sin. When she's teaching this idea to children, she says, What is sin? Sin is anything that I think, 
or that I say or that I do that does not please God. That's pretty inclusive, right? Anything that I think or that I say or that I do that does not please God. Start making a list. Wow. Anything I think, anything I say, anything I do that does not please God. And I'm asking God to forgive me. Recently, somebody asked me, do I have to keep asking God to forgive me for my sins? And I said, yes. But that does not mean that you have to keep getting saved. There are two kinds of forgiveness that we can understand from studying God's word. First is what we call judicial forgiveness. That's where I I stand before the judge's bench. I have been accused of a, a wrongdoing, a sin. I've been accused of a sin. And I have nothing to say about it except I plead guilty. And I throw myself on the mercy of the court. And God, the righteous judge, bangs his gavel and he says, You are guilty. The sentence is death. But I'm commuting the sentence because the payment has already been made. Jesus, the righteous one, has paid the penalty for your sin. And I am imputing his righteousness. There's a word we don't use very much anymore. I am imputing his righteousness. I'm taking from his column of credit and I am applying it to your debit, to your debt, and canceling your debt. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Judicially, they're forgiven. You're going to walk out of the courthouse a free man. How many times do we sing these days songs that have the idea of your chains being broken? We learned another one today. Your chains have been broken. Your sin has been forgiven. It's been paid. Then there is familial forgiveness. You're a member of a family. God has made you his child. And there are some rules for how to live in God's house. If you're going to, be a, going to live in my house, you're going to follow my rules. You've heard that. And when I step out of line, when I don't do my chores, or when I stay out late and don't call, or whatever it is, when I have stepped out of line with God, my fellowship with God, my Heavenly Father, is interrupted. It's, it's impeded. What does that word mean? It's, I have been impeded because of my action, and I am maybe sent into timeout. Go to your room, Dennis. Don't come out till you're ready to say I'm sorry. You've heard that too, right? <laughs> And when I come out of my room and I say, please forgive me, I'm sorry for what I've done. I receive familial forgiveness. And the relationship between me and my heavenly parent is restored. I was never sent out of the family. Right? I was set out of, I was sent away from the dinner table. You can't can't sit at my table behaving like this. 
I won't have it. Go to your room until you're ready to make this right. And when you are, you receive familial forgiveness. And so when you and I make our statement of humble, humble confession, please forgive me for the wrong that I've done. I receive God's familial forgiveness. He's always faithful to forgive. However, this, this clause in the prayer has a condition attached to it. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There is a sense here that Jesus is telling us, I must not ask for God from I must not ask from God something which I am able but unwilling to give to somebody else. I am able but unwilling to give forgiveness. There's a whole parable that Jesus, in fact, a couple of parables that Jesus uses to teach this, and I'm not going to be able to get into that today, but Jesus says there's a condition to this familial forgiveness. I have been sent to my room. I must come back with a humble heart, ready to say to my parent, please forgive me, I'm sorry, and ready to say to my sibling, I forgive you for what you did to me that caused me to do what I did that got me sent to my room. (laughs) Who started that fight? He did. He hit me back way harder than I hit him. (laughs) More on this in just a moment. We're almost finished. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us. See, if we say this the way we've memorized it, we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from you. And you might think, well, why would God lead us into temptation? Why do we have to ask him not to lead us into temptation? Because we read through this quickly and not think about it. Of course, God is not going to lead me into temptation. What I need to say is lead me. Not into temptation. I, don't, I need you to lead me because if you don't, that's where I'm headed. So I think we need to think about this idea a little differently. Lead me out of temptation. Show me the way out. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to bear it. But he will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Help me find the way out of this escape room. Help me find the way out. Because if you don't help me, I'm going right after it. This is a statement of commitment. When I ask God to lead me, I am implying that I am promising to follow him. I'm asking God, lead me. And when you do, I will follow you. That's an important component of this. right? You've got to follow when God leads you. You've got to follow, even if he leads you in a direction you don't want to go. I know what's good for you, he says. Come this way. Trust me and take another step. Is it your intention to follow? Now, 
um, most of us, when we, learn, when we learned this prayer, we learned it with this benediction, this doxology. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's sort of a reaffirmation of how great God is. We, we did this this morning in, in our praise and prayer and, and, and singing and music time. We, we saw the kids excited to say, uh, come, come sing with me. He's worthy of our praise. He is a mighty God. He's good in every way. And then it's, it finishes with amen, which means two things. Yes, I agree with that. And let it be the way it has been said. Yes, I agree with that. Let it be the way it has been said. They're closely related. But usually... We have come to use this as, as a signal that it is now, uh, the prayer has ended, and we may now raise our heads and open our eyes and look around and uh, unfold our hands, and now we can eat. Or, or now we can get up and leave. Or now we can play ball. But then Jesus comes back to this idea of forgiveness and nails it down with no opportunity for us to get out from under it. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But I wish I didn't have to read this last part. Can we cut this out? Can we, can we redact this? Can we edit? Yeah. Black line? No. No, we can't. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's a further explanation of the importance of forgiving our debtors. This is no doubt deserving a sermon all by itself. And Lord willing, we'll, we'll get to that. I just want to leave you with this observation. In this climate that you and I are living in our communities... We have a spirit of division. Do you agree? There is contention. There is strife. We argue about everything. We turn our backs on those that we disagree with. We have not a civil word to say to people. If we're on social media, we might block them. We might unfriend them. We might insult them. We might revile them. We don't know how to talk to people anymore that we don't agree with. And I am telling you, I'm telling myself, and I'm letting you hear what I'm saying to myself. There's never been a time when we need a spirit of forgiveness more than we need it right now. I forgive people who disagree with me. I don't need, I don't need for them to agree with me that I'm right. I think I'm right. If I didn't think I was right, I would think something else. Now, that just makes sense, right? Maybe you haven't thought about it that way. I think I'm right about the opinions that I have. But I'm old enough now to realize I've been wrong about some of the things I thought I was right about. And some of the people that I thought were wrong have now been proven to be right about some things that I thought they were, I was sure they were wrong about. Hope they will forgive me. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you forgive me or not. It doesn't matter 
if you deserve my forgiveness. It doesn't matter if you say you're sorry and then I will forgive you. It doesn't matter. I'm forgiving you for my sake. And if we can get things worked out between us, we can go beyond forgiveness to reconciliation. But reconciliation does not have to happen in order for forgiveness to happen. Because when I forgive someone for the wrong that I perceive they've done to me, whether they agree, whether they admit it, whether they know they've done me wrong or not, doesn't matter. I'm setting myself free. Forgiveness is what you do to set yourself free from the bondage of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. The guy who just cut me off on the way home from work, I'm still thinking about what he did to me 30 minutes later. I'm still, my heart's still pounding because I had to hit my brakes hard. He didn't see me, whatever. And I've said some things that he didn't hear. I waved at him in the most economical of waves and he didn't notice. (laughs) I'm still the one that's suffering and he's already forgotten about me if he ever thought about me at all. I need to forgive that because until I do, it's still going to eat at me. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I am not going to do what God has given me the ability to do and he has given me the ability to think myself into the choice of forgiving. I think about it and I choose to forgive and lay it down and not pick it up again. And if I can do that, then I can have full anticipation that God has forgiven me judicially and familially and I'm walking with him. He is my father I am his child. I put my hand up and he takes it. And he leads me. And he provides for me. And he fulfills my life. Let's pray. Thank you for giving us a pattern of how to pray, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, our Master, our Savior, our Teacher. I pray that when we, when we come to say the words that we call the Lord's Prayer. We will not just repeat them as words, but give consideration to what they mean. And possibly use these words as a pattern for how we will pray using our own words and our own thoughts in keeping with the outline, the pattern, the example you've given us. I pray over our congregation and over our community and over our nation on this holiday weekend when we celebrate our independence. We have thrown off the bonds of somebody else telling us what to do. But Father, we are, as your children, not entirely independent. You have urged us to recognize our dependence on you and our interdependence on one another. May you show through us to an unreconciled world what a forgiving spirit looks like. Give us a forgiving spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I cast my mind.
to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet My Savior on that cursed tree His body bound and drenched in tears They laid him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance in by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King.
Lord God, we praise your name. We lift up your name. We worship your name. We ask that we would know you better as we leave this place, that we would come to you in, in such a way that you, you taught us. Not exactly like that, but like that. Bless and keep us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.